Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello, and welcome to the New European Podcast. My name is Richard Porritt. Later, I'll be joined by Jerry Scott. We're going to talk about Facebook. And after that, I'll be joined by Steve when we're going to crown a Brexiteer of the Week. But first, I'm joined by Mr. Matt Withers, who's the journalist who went and covered the Should I Stay or Should I Go conference on Monday. Matt! <laughs> yeah. Were the Clash playing? They weren't. They failed to uh, reunite for the conference, oh. which is a real, a real kick in the teeth. That is a shame, because I love the Clash. I saw Joe Strummer actually do that very song, but not with the rest of the Clash, I'm not that old. No. Anyway, tell us about the conference. Yeah, as you say, this was called the Should I Stay or Should I Go conference. It was held at the uh, QE2 Centre in Westminster on Monday. It was organised uh, by and for EU nationals uh-huh. living in the UK to discuss the issues pertinent to them. They had a few, um, I don't know if you say big names, championship level speakers really, uh, <laughs> Joe Swinson was there, uh, Chuck Ramuna, um, sort of a bigger name, uh, uh, sometime of this parish, uh, AC Grayling was there, Gina Miller. Uh Um, Yeah, it was quite interesting. Uh, There were some some themes there that I I, I found quite fascinating. Uh, One was the kind of, um, almost the challenging of Remainer shibboleths, really, by, Mm. by a couple of people. Joe Swinson... Uh, gave a speech, much of which is in a, an article she's written for the paper this week, actually, yes. where she talks about Remainers needing to get out of their echo chambers and stop, she said, quote, wrapping ourselves up in the European Union flag. Uh, and it was particularly interesting because there were many in the hall literally wrapped in the EU flag <laughs> uh, or clad in a T-shirt. There were a few berets. In one case, a, a woman had an enormous homemade Flavor Flav style medallion on with the European flag. Oh, really? On it, uh, which, oh, I wear one of those though. <laughs> it was quite eye catching. Uh, so Joe was saying that you know the language needed to change. Yeah. We talk about the benefits of the EU. Chucker Amuna, um, he stressed that any successful campaign to stop Brexit would focus on the democratic need to get uh, vote out on a final deal rather than, he said, just chanting slogans. Mm. Um, he said, you know, shouting in ever louder tones, stop Brexit doesn't work, saying you were lied to, uh, giving the impression people are too stupid to understand doesn't work either. That was very interesting because um, 
prior to that, he had a, a huge cheer and a round of applause uh, for talking about how he was not just British but European. Much, much more muted response when he was telling people that perhaps yeah. uh, the the strategies that they were employing would not uh, deliver them to the promised land, as he said. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so do, do you think then that the audience took that away with them or do you think that actually us Ramonas you know of which we are among um are just happy to carry on saying we were lied to you would hope um once people had a time to reflect they might wish to draw upon what people like Chuka and Joe were saying I think initially I didn't pick a lot of that up yeah. um so for example chucker talked about how uh, just blaming the newspapers was unhelpful but he was actually preceded by another speaker a businessman called andrew elliman uh, who literally said britain's newspapers were fascist yeah and when i was chatting to the delegates uh, around the the hall um newspapers kept coming up again and again yeah. and the attacks were on the whole gamut so it was on you know from the daily star which is kind of avowedly apolitical to the times which literally back to a remain vote all got yeah. um you know a, a, a torrent of abuse from people there is a lot of misunderstanding when it comes to how the papers cover it i mean you know i, I the the as listeners to this pod are aware i am i am formerly of the daily mail parish although only briefly but obviously their coverage was very pro brexit yeah and you know there there's lots of discussions we can have about how right or how wrong that was and the ownership of the paper and what the editor thinks but but a free press is is vital they should be allowed to do that because it means that we're allowed to do what we're doing yeah. at the other end of the spectrum absolutely uh, i i, I I find it fascinating now how some titles just kind of get lumped in. Yeah, the Times is a really good one. So Times, you know, the, the, who employ Matthew Paris, yeah, who a lot yeah. of people think have gone bonkers. I'm, to- I'm told, I'm told uh, its readership to vote to remain. Yeah, absolutely, uh, it, it did. A Murdoch paper as well. Yeah, which is, you know, an, another interesting facet of this. Um, a couple of other things which um, I found interesting. Two of the other speakers um, were well-received but gave very, very different speeches. Um A.C. Grayling, I, I felt a, a little bit like being in evangelical church and A.C. Grayling was his high priest. He, he is definitely the high priest. He, he was um, certainly the, the person who got the, the, the biggest cheers. They got an absolutely rapturous applause yeah. for his speech, yeah. which he said that the Brexit transition deal would lead to a, quote, great Christmas present in 2020 of permanent continued membership. Uh, he argued that transition gave anti-Brexit campaigners time to stop and reverse the process and that he was pretty confident Britain would stay in the Union. Went a little bit further and suggested that Britain would sign up to Schengen yeah. after that, which I don't That know. would be some some U-turn. It would, it, it would pretty much go from hard Brexit to hard Remain. Yeah, just, yeah. You might as well just chuck and join in the Euro with that and we've gone full circle. Um, Start speaking French. <laughs> Um, the flip side to that was um, Gina Miller's speech towards the end of the day in the evening. Um, no laughs to be had in that. Uh, very much painted a dystopian picture of life for uh, uh-huh. EU citizens in, in Britain. She said that um, prejudice is, is worn as a badge and a sleeve of honour um, in, in Britain post right. post a Brexit referendum, which, uh, again, people seem to, if not enjoy, 
um, at least acknowledge that message, which I yeah. found very interesting. Yeah. Uh, she also urged people in the room to get out of London, not because it was dangerous, but because... Um, <laughs> Run! <laughs> although, like 28 you know, days later. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it's a bit... I live there, it's a bit stabby. You know, that wasn't, <laughs> wasn't what she was saying. Um, she was making the point, and uh, interpret this as you will, really, that the people outside of London needed the London-based EU citizens to go out there and kind of educate them in, in, yeah. in where they've been going wrong and why they... Well, it's an interest. London's a very... I mean, I've spent a lot, a lot of my life in London and um, and the echo chamber that Chucker and Joe seem to be talking about there is kind of London, really, isn't it? Because there's this, there is a... Obviously, voted voted to remain, but you can get in those circles where you just meet the... Yeah. You just meet the same sort of people every day and it's a very different sort of person. I'm not saying this... You know, I'm not distinguishing who's who's right and who's wrong particularly, but but if you go up to Norfolk where we are now, or up to the north where I'm from originally, or over to Wales or up to the northeast, the the communities are very different and have very different views on things like uh, Europe. But may well still vote Labour or vote Tory, or whatever. And yeah, and that's that's very true. I remember the morning after the referendum, speaking to uh, speaking to a, a, a friend who was very shocked. I, I, as was I, but then, as I pointed out, and we we both lived for many years in London. But I'm from yeah. Crewe; he's from yeah. Rochdale. Perhaps yeah. if we'd spent more time in our home patches in the run-up to referendum, exactly. we might might have got a better feel for the way things were going. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. I agree completely. So, um, who was the best speaker, in your opinion? Ah, well, in terms of commanding a room, yeah. you'd have to say that AC Grayling had them uh, eating out the palm of his hand. Yeah. But in terms Very dashing of, chap as well, it, isn't he? If I, was, I, I was sat behind him and... and um, was there a spark? I, well, I was, it was just, yeah, I, I was just a little jealous because, you know, I'm, I'm a man who's, who's not seen his follicles in a, in a decade, Richard. And, 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 I'm sorry, I've stumbled <laughs> upon something that's obviously painful for you. Well, but Professor Graydon's got very luscious locks. That, that much is true. Um, Did you want to reach out and just give I, him a little stroke? I just don't think he'd like that. Yeah. Um, not the hair. <laughs> um... But on a more serious point, uh, yes, he he commanded he commanded the room and he he won an enormous uh, enormous round of applause and cheers. But in terms of saying what needed to be said, yeah. I think uh, Chukaramuna probably um, had the more interesting message. So just uh, on a slight uh, change as well, it was interesting that he said that he was very frustrated at those people within his own party who could only see. Uh, this argument through the prism of whether you support the leader or not. He doesn't doesn't mention him by name. So he can't, he can't <laughs> say he's dead. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> he, he did say that was an enormous sense of frustration for him. Um, mm. And I, I take him at his word for that. I think he must be frustrated that whenever he speaks out on this issue, yeah. for a large portion of the party now... The issue is very much to the side, and it's well. This is how is this supporting Jeremy? Why aren't you supporting Jeremy? Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was quite quite an interesting one, and probably was the one that for the journalist in me got my ears pricked up a little. But but on the issue of of, of Brexit, I think the lessons that he he had for people about you know the language we we couch it in, and the strategies we use, which is not necessarily just you know, wrapping a flag around us and banging some symbols once every every four to six weeks might not be the most effective. Yeah, okay. So, uh, were you drawn to Chucker because you're both bald? Is that, it's all about hair this for you, isn't it? Well, I'm... 
is is Chucker naturally bald, or does he does he shave it off? I don't know whether the bald community considers him one of our own. Oh. Oh, a bit of prejudice going on at the end there. I think, it, no, to be fair, it's a, it's a, a, a Larry David line. <laughs> oh, is it? Okay. <laughs> Matt, thank you very much. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European. Your first 13 issues of The New European are only £13 when you join us and become a subscriber. Order by telephone by calling 01858 438840 and quoting Podcast One, or order online at our website, www.neweuropean.co.uk. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European. Welcome back. I'm joined by Jerry Scott. Jerry, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Really, really, really good. Everything is going really well. Good to hear. When did you join Facebook? Oh. Well, I was 13. 13? So yeah. what year would that be? <laughs> uh, 2005. Really? Was Facebook around in 2005? Yeah, so um, basically it opened up in the were UK you at Harvard anyone. Or when you were 13? No, so I actually used my sister's university login because that's when you could still only get it with a university email oh, address. Wow. Well, I came to it about two years later than that. But the reason I ask you that, of course, is because of the uh, revelations this week. Fabulous pieces of journalism from... Um, the Observer and from Channel 4 News as well. Yeah, brilliant. Um, just run us through the story briefly. Yeah, I mean, so this is all this Cambridge Analytica stuff, which everyone's probably heard loads about this week. And if you haven't, you really, really need to take a look because it is, like you say, brilliant reporting. Um, so this this company, company Cambridge Analytica, it is, um, you know, they're, they're, they, they specialise in data. Yeah. And it's all about this personality quiz that was kind of introduced in 2014. Did you do it? Um, I, I might have done I don't know. I could have easily done it. Hmm. You see, I don't need to do a personality quiz. You already know your personality yeah. well enough. Yeah. Well, yeah. I was confused, you know, and didn't know what, who I was. <laughs> well, so I'm very confused. still figuring it out. <laughs> um, and yeah, this is all about this data that, um, that they've got from Facebook and um, allegedly used to shape campaigns and things like uh, the Trump election and Brexit. Okay, why is this uh, more shocking than any other kind of data collection that that um, these sort of firms have been doing? I mean, this is, the firms have been doing this kind of thing on a small scale for a long time. Yeah. And political parties obviously want to know who is best to target and who to influence. I mean, that's what campaigning is all about. It is just influence. So what? What? why is this different? It is. It is the same. And, you know, it, it's worth saying that experts now are saying Cambridge Analytica are kind of small fry, really, in right. this. Um, but the difference here is... So this personality test I'm talking about, one person could take it, so I could take it. Yeah. But... If me and you are friends on Facebook, Richard, which we're not awkwardly. We're not. Um, that is awkward. If I took it and we were friends on Facebook, it then also scrapes your data. Right. It's not just mine. Okay, so even if you have, even if you are one of those daft people who takes personality tests on Facebook, <laughs> all your friends have also got their data yeah. taken as well. You know, it's worth saying Facebook have cracked down on this since... It was happening, you mm-hmm. know, four years ago. You can't do that anymore. But but the worry is that it did happen and Cambridge Analytica had all this data and didn't get rid of it when Facebook asked them to. So what impact could that data have had on the referendum, say? 
Okay, so it means that advertising can be specifically targeted at groups um, that are most susceptible to that campaigning. Right, so if I've, if I've liked... So let me get this straight. If I did that personality test, yeah. and in it it said, are you a bit Brexity? Mm. And I said... And, they, and it said, yes, no, maybe. Mm-hmm. If I said maybe, I could have expected lots of leave.eu sponsored ads, could I? Um, well, yes, that's not incorrect, but it's actually a lot deeper than that as well. You know, research into this shows that, for example, things like liking a page called Waking Up Confused After Naps yeah. can say something about your sexuality. What or, does it say? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a data analyst. But that's what that's what it says. Or that liking Hello Kitty says something about your political persuasion. Or another one was saying what? that you may well, be well, like... Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> what could... Do you know that Hello Kitty isn't a cat, by the way? What do you mean? Yeah, the, the, the cat in Hello Kitty isn't yeah. a cat. It's a little girl. No, yes, get out. Go- Google it, Google it. It's my whole world view shaken, in all yeah, honesty. Yeah, yeah. So what, but what could Hello Kitty possibly say about your political persuasion? Look, I don't know which way it goes. I don't know whether that says, you know, you're more likely to vote for Brexit <sighs> or not. But I reckon Tory voters are big Hello Kitty fans. I reckon you're right. I spent a bit of time in Japan many years ago, mm-hmm. and there are people who dress head to toe like the little girl, not the kitten from Hello Kitty. <laughs> and they're definitely Tories. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I think the other one was, it was... Um, you know, there's a fast food chain in America called Chick, um, Chick-fil-A. Um, right. And if you like that, it apparently... Said, and and like that, and Taylor Swift, yeah. and the Republican Party, yeah. it says that it says something about your intelligence. Now, I wouldn't like to gander which way... What's this fast food restaurant called? Chick-fil-A. And what, what sort of fast food do they sell? Chicken. Oh, chicken, okay. I was thinking chickpeas. <laughs> I'm so trendy, aren't I? Okay, such a hipster. So I'm such a hipster. All right, cool. And um, so Taylor Swift. Yeah. We all like a bit of shake it off, don't we? Absolutely. So I wouldn't suggest that. So, well, this is fascinating. It's really interesting. It is really interesting. I agree. So, I, I can't so, quite get a handle of what what these. I mean, it's very obviously cleverer people than me work for the likes of Cambridge Analytica. <laughs> but you know, I was saying since so I've had it since I was 14, 13, Sorry, so for twelve years I've been giving Facebook voluntarily information mm. about myself, mm. um, what I like and dislike, self indulgent statuses about politics and uh-huh. my life, or movies I enjoy, or clicking uh-huh. like on pages and charities and organisations. Yeah. So, so at home watching Friends with Ice Cream again. Well, that hey. <laughs> <laughs> Just because you know my Friday night plans doesn't mean everyone needs to. Um, and I really think that the only person that knows who I am more than Facebook is probably my mother. Yeah. That is terrifying, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I was about 27 when I signed up to Facebook. Mm-hmm. And it was a bit... I mean, I was a reporter in, in London at the time. And it was a bit of a revolution for us journalists because it meant that... Every time some some poor chap died or whatever, we could just go on Facebook and find out lots about them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that the privacy settings and things have changed since the Wild West days, but it it, it is still a bit like that, isn't it? I mean, it is, and there's a lot that you can see publicly on everyone's profile. Where what doesn't matter what your privacy settings are. Yeah. Um, and is that is that different to uh, well, Twitter's a bit different, isn't it? But what, like. Snapface and Insta chat. 
Uh, they are they are different. <laughs> um, so yeah, it is different. I mean, and Tinder and and Tinder. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it is different because on those on those sites you don't give such kind of deep information about yourself. I guess uh, Instagram. Yeah, inst- well, <laughs> Instagram um, is caught up in this as well um, uh-huh. because of course I've got connections to Facebook. Um, it's clear that this date is valuable because these companies are making millions and millions of pounds and dollars off it, especially on the scale of the 50 million people we heard about this week. Yeah. So, do, do we actually believe, though, that um, the Brexit referendum and the Trump election was, influ- was, was influenced to such an extent that we should be questioning any of those those polls? So, I think the Cambridge Analytica sales pitch is overhyped. Yeah. Um, on the... Channel 4 News um, undercover tapes that were released this week, which are a brilliant watch. Um, you've got Andrew Nix, who has since been suspended uh, from the company, you know, talking it up, that they had a pivotal role in the election of Trump, basically. Um, yeah. But they would say that, wouldn't they? If, they're, well, if they yes. think they're trying yeah. to get prospective yeah. new clients. But then, hey, listen. But they were there. They did work with teams yeah. for Brexit and Trump's team. You know, Steve Bannon was all over it. But, they were there. But you see, the thing is that and I, listen. This is deeply worrying. I am. Mm-hmm. But but playing devil's advocate, this isn't anything new. I mean, Saatchi and Saatchi, um, very famously, did the Labour's not working posters, um, lobbying firms, PR firms, work with political parties, and the aim is to influence people to vote for them. Yeah. What I can't quite disconnect is the difference. So, what is the difference between? Walking past a billboard and seeing some sponsored content on your Facebook feed. So I think it's um, it's a lot more under the radar. Right. It's unregulated sort of and it's intimate, and it you kind of you absorb it without really realizing it. Okay, I think the issue really here is that people treat Facebook, especially like um, they would opening their photo album yeah. and passing it to a friend. And when you do that, you don't expect to see a Saatchi and Saatchi <laughs> advert saying Labour's not working. No. Unless you're a real saddo. Well, and put I mean, that, <laughs> it is a good piece of work. Um, uh, Never seen your photo albums. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do have Cutting's books from the last four elections. The thing that pe- I think that what's going to change actually here is not how, how political campaigning works, although there will be, I'm sure, new rules put in place and new legislation to stop this kind of thing. But what people, the public, need to understand is that we aren't, um, if we use Facebook, if we use um, Instagram, if we use uh, the others, you know, that I've probably mm-hmm. never heard of because I'm very middle-aged, <laughs> but if we use them, th- we aren't their customers. No. Well, no, we use them we, for free. We are their products. Absolutely. That's the thing that people need to get their heads around. Yeah. We have been monetized. the public, mm-hmm. humans have been monetized by social media. Yeah. But you know the ironic thing is one of the only groups who standing up to these big tech companies um, is actually the European Union yeah. who are bringing in this tough new legislation in May with really large fines to enforce it. Um, we're not losing out on this when we leave, by the way. We're still going to um, follow the regulations, but we won't be at the table. But for me, this whole thing is a massive exercise in recognising where the power lies. Yeah. So when these stories broke, um, Cambridge Analytica agreed to let Facebook go in and audit, audit Extraordinary, it. That. Extraordinary, that. Um, yeah, but for the Information Commissioner's Office, who, by the way, I think should have, probably have more power and more teeth, um, 
it demanded a warrant. Yeah, yeah. And the issue is that individual governments find themselves almost powerless in the face of these tech giants like Facebook. Yeah, yeah, quite. So should, just finally, should we all delete our Facebook accounts? A lot of people are, aren't they? Well, a lot of people it, are. I've There's a lot of guides it. on how to do it properly. Um, I still like Facebook because I like looking at pictures of cats. Well, I mean, Facebook for me is just a stream of how brilliant other people's lives are. Um, <laughs> it's so curated, isn't I it? I find it fairly horrific. I might just start putting my bad news on Facebook. <laughs> In which case, I'm definitely going to send you a friend request. <laughs> It'd be a long, long stream of... Uh, the time. Your timeline's going to be full. Full. Jerry, thank you very much. Brexiteer of the Week. Welcome back. I'm joined by Steve. Hello, Steve. Hello. Are you well? Uh, I'm not that well, but let's 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 plough on regardless. The listeners don't want to hear me moaning. Oh. About my man flu. Oh, dear. Um, you need to blow your nose. <laughs> there it goes. Crown a Brexiteer of the Week. This is really a really tough choice this week. Um, in any normal week, it could be Gerard Batten, who is the leader of, um, of UKIP for the time being. Um... When he's not dragging his party's poll ratings down to uh, 1%, as it is now, it was 4% when Henry Bolton <laughs> left, Bring uh, back so it's Henry. going well. Uh, he's writing to members asking them for £175,000 to stop his party going out of business. Uh, and when he's not doing that, he's grappling with the tricky issue of whether or not he should continue to appear on Russia Today, which is the TV channel RT, which, as we know, is sponsored by the, um, the Kremlin. Um, and he was talking about this on Twitter the other day, Gerard Batten was, and he, he wrote, A few people criticised me for appearing on RT. I've said many times, Putin is a gangster leading a gangster state. The Russian state murdered Alexander Litvinenko, whom I knew. But they still asked me on, so why not accept? <laughs> so well, the moral maze has been navigated successfully there, absolutely. hasn't it, by Gerard Batten. Yeah. Uh, Another another week, it could be Joe Marnie who was taking home the Brexiteer oh, of the week. The Joe. lovely Joe Marnie. She's great, isn't she? She is great. Yeah, she is yeah. Great. She is great. Um, very sorry to hear about Stephen Hawking. She tweeted. Well, that's fair enough. It was. It's very sad. She said he was a brilliant man. I'm quoting here: a brilliant man, both as a scientist and a human being. Then somebody pointed out to her that Hawking was also a staunch Remainer. Yes, he was. Yes. And she replied. No one's perfect. If someone doesn't believe in democracy, all I can say is that is sad. Sad. So what a his, sado. So on his gravestone, I suggest it should say Stephen Hawking, CBE, FRSA, 1942 to 2018. He was nearly perfect, but he was well sad about Brexit. <laughs> um, in any other week, it could be any combination of those idiots who were on the, the, the boat the other day, yes. wouldn't it? Yes, Nigel Farage... Emptying a, a box of dead herrings into the Thames. Extraordinary stuff. When he couldn't be bothered to turn up to the Fisheries Committee when he was on it in the EU. Yes, quite. You know, now he, now there's something in it for him. He's interested in fish, isn't he? But, you know, and Jacob Rees-Mogg, there he is. What a week he's had. He's he's really quiet, gone really quiet about what his, his investment firm, Somerset Capital Management, are going to do about this 57 million quid that he's got invested in the Russian state bank, Spurbank. Um, he wrote a fantastic article in The Telegraph, and the headline was, Britain isn't a joke nation and Brexit will mean Brexit. So, an oxymoron there, isn't it? A complete <laughs> contradiction in terms. Um and then he had to come on and say he wasn't going to 
join dead fish into the Thames as a protest. And then when he tried to, he wasn't allowed to board the boat at Westminster because he hadn't asked for permission to do so. So he could have been the Brexiteer of the Week, but isn't. Someone else who could have been the Brexiteer of the Week who isn't is Lord Pearson. Uh, he used to be the UKIP leader, didn't he, before Nigel Farage? Yeah, yeah. He's now uh, in the House of Lords. He's an old Etonian. And when he resigned, uh, he said that one of the reasons he'd resigned was that he wanted to spend more time on wider interests, including, uh, as he, he said, this is a quote, uh, including the relationship between good and evil. And maybe this is why um, he it, last week he invited Tommy Robinson to Parliament. Yes, um, the uh, the leading thinker uh, Tommy Robinson. That's right. To Parliament, Lovely it was chat. it was brilliant timing that, wasn't it? Because we're commemorating uh, this week the the murder of uh, PC Keith Palmer outside the Palace of Westminster. It's a year on from that, and Tommy Robinson, as we know, is um, a convicted fraudster who once served a twelve month prison sentence for assaulting an off duty policeman. And his book Enemy of the State contains references to the police as heads. <laughs> So, good and evil there from he, a lesson. He is a He is, yeah. He's, if, if Lord Pearson is interested in exploring the relationship between good and evil, I would say Tommy Robinson. He's not on the good side, <laughs> is he? No. Um, Tim Martin, our chum from Weatherspoons. Oh, Tim. He could have been the Brexiteer of the Week. I got the. I, we, we, I was reading the spring issue of the Great Weatherspoons magazine the other day. It is excellent. Um, and in it, he he was writing all about how people who go to Weatherspoons know more about um, Brexit and life in general than experts. Uh, and mm. he said he wrote Einstein, a seriously clever guy who never went to university or Weatherspoons. Said, or Weatherspoons <laughs> said Einstein's a really a seriously clever guy. He never went to university, and he said that real genius was knowing what you don't know. And he, he, uh, that's, that's absolutely true. Albert Einstein did not go to university, apart from spending nine years at university. Um, he, went to the, uh, he went to the Swiss Federal Polytechnic, which is a university. It's, if people are going to argue that it's because it's got old, polytechnic in its poly. name, it was a bit like the polys of the 1960s. Huddersfield well, Polytechnic. Let's put it this way. It, it, was, it was so poor an establishment that it had produced five Nobel Prize winners... <laughs> Before Albert Einstein, it, yeah, it wasn't Huddersfield Poly. Much like Huddersfield Poly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And after he did five years there, he went on to do four years doing a PhD at the University of Zurich. Um, so, but so Tim Martin, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, but he's not the Brexiteer of the week, and neither is is old Air Miles Foxy Liam Fox. Now, remember when we got all excited when Donald Trump put those tariffs on uh, steel and aluminium, or aluminium, as Donald aluminum, Trump yeah, would say, yeah, yeah, I do um, a, a few weeks ago. And, and little Liam, well, he got all aerated, didn't he, and puffed his little chest up, and he said he was going to go straight over there, and he was going to negotiate us a, an exemption, yeah. like Australia had, on Canada had, I believe. He'll be fine. And, um, and then it, uh, people said, well, you can't do that because we're still part of the EU. And he went, well, then I'll go over with part of the EU. And he said that these tariffs were absurd, and he was going to go over and tell Donald Trump this. And he also said, they said, shouldn't you take somebody from the EU with you? And he said, he told, said to the Commons, I do not require a babysitter from the EU. Yeah. Anyway, he yeah. went. Yeah. He went. And... He came back with a fantastic agreement, yeah. which was signed by Robert Lightsayer Heiser, yeah. uh, who is a member of Donald Trump's cabinet. Brilliant. Unfortunately, it wasn't an agreement about uh, the tariffs on steel and, al and aluminum. 
Um, it was an agreement that they would uh, they they agreed the wording of a booklet uh, which was going to help small businesses in the US and the UK protect their intellectual property in each market. Um, and th- this uh, this this knowledge was imparted via a 668 word statement from Liam Fox's department, and, th- and then right at the bottom, it said. We also spoke about the planned imposition of tariffs on steel and aluminium. <laughs> I mean, these people. However, in any normal week, any of those could have been Brexiteer of the Week. There is only one Brexiteer of the Week. I've never heard of this guy before, but now I am a committed fan of his. I wish that we could we could talk more about this, and I wish I could quote more of this, but in the limited amount of time that we have... I am going to tell you that Luke Nash of the UKIP Daily blog is our Brexiteer of the Week. And this week, he is a um, he is a, been writing about how UKIP can surprise everybody and do really well at the May, general ele- at the May local elections. It would and be a surprise. It would it? be a big surprise. <laughs> and uh, he says that you're not going to be doing this just by traditional methods. No. Uh, let's, 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 I'm quoting here. You are a gorilla. You hide in a tree. You keep your head down. You take that one shot and kill the king. You take out the leader. The army is lost. Chaos. The attack on yourself is halted. Victory. Focus. That's in capital letters. As Eminem once said, you only get one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. Those are Luke uh, Luke Nash Jones's words of advice for UKIP candidates. I mean, I've read extensively about political campaigning because I'm a very, very sad person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you heard Eminem quoted before? (laughs) Never heard that before. I think the rules of the ground war and perhaps the the tree war (laughs) have been rewritten by Nash Jones. Yeah. Um, He went on. In more more practical advice, let's oh, yes, be yeah, honest. Yeah. If a tree is not available, uh, and if you're or, not a gorilla or, or Eminem, he said, "Get rid of UKIP in the large bold letters on the top of your leaflets." Why? <laughs> he said, "Because most people hate UKIP and think we're racists." <laughs> also, leaflets are so last century. And he also added, "Many people, which I thought was very helpful, many people in UKIP are, repl- are reproducing these retro 1980s PDF newsletters." I'm sure you mean well, and I'm sure you love UKIP, and you put hours of hard work into that. But to be honest, they make me want to stab my eyes out. <laughs> what should they do then? Well, we should. I mean, climbing a tree. Clearly, get get up That's in it. a tree. Get up in a tree. Yeah. Forget about telling people what party you're from. You just sort of cut. <laughs> How yeah. are they going to know to vote? Don't put for? UKIP on your leaflets. <laughs> Everyone hates us. This is and thinks we're racist. Luke Nash so Jones. Luke Nash Jones, he's, 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 he wants you to all go up into a tree. He is clearly out of his tree, and Luke Nash Jones <laughs> is the Brexiteer of the week. Steve, what should the listener do right now? Get down get from out, the tree. Get out of your tree. <laughs> get out of your tree. You can uh, listening to this podcast. They want to, probably do want to get out of their tree. You can leave a great review for this podcast at the podcatcher of your choice, whether it's iTunes or Audio Boom or all the others out there. Podcast is uh, a bit like those dream catchers that yeah, people who go to like native Indian is like places. all the child catcher in Chitty Chitty, the podcatcher <laughs> in the remake of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. <laughs> 
catching little unsuspecting podcasts as he goes. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter if you like. I am at Sanglesey, S-A-N-G-L-E-S-E-Y. You can also follow The New European at, uh, on Twitter. At The New European, we've got uh, a Facebook uh, page for you to like. We won't mine all of your data, honestly. And um, I'm not sure also, we can confirm We can't that. confirm <laughs> that. We will mine all your data. And we've also got a Facebook group uh, for New European readers. Yeah, and you can follow me if you want on Twitter at Porritt, P-O-R-R-I-T-T. I'm not on Snapface. No, are you not? Or Insta... That's Insta good. Good, that's good. <laughs> You've made the right decisions. That was the New European Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. It means a heck of a lot to us. Do all the things that Steve's just told you and go and buy the paper. It's £2.50. It's on sale now. And it's packed full of lots of good stuff. Politics, Brexit, that's in there. You'd expect that. But there's tons of culture as well. Quick note about next week's paper. We're out a day early because we're doing a bumper Easter edition. Um, So you'll be able to get that on Wednesday. Mr Campbell, do the honours, sir. on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns